This is the Open Forum Podcast. Welcome to the second Shape America recap episode of the Open Forum Podcast. My name is Mike Miller, joined by my co-host, Mike Martinez, to bring you the news, helpful insight, and more from the world of physical education. In this episode, we feature our live interviews with Ann Kabitsky, who is the head of the Look for the Good Project, an amazing movement with good vibes and gratitude at the forefront. We also get to speak with Paisley Payton from the American Heart Association, talking all things awareness and where the Kids Heart Challenge is heading for this upcoming year. And then we finish up with a topic near and dear to my day and day, comprehensive skills-based health ed. We speak with John Henry Ledwith and Suzanne Schrag from ETR.org, the providers of the newest edition of the K-12 Health Smart curriculum. I was fortunate enough to get a hands-on look at the new edition, and it has immediately changed my day-to-day classes. These interviews were part of our live streams from the U.S. Games booth at the Shape American National Convention in Tampa, Florida. If you didn't get to watch live and want to check them out, they are on the Facebook page. Just search for Open Phys Ed, like our page if you haven't already, and then click on Videos. You will find our save streams as well as the Let's Talk Phys Ed live shows. We start with Ann Kabitsky from the Look for the Good Project. All right, the Open Forum Podcast coming back at you from the U.S. Games booth here at Shape Tampa. It's Friday. It's our last full day of action. It's Friday, Friday. I'm sorry for that, folks. That's all I got. <laughs> um, but even though it's the last full day, we still have plenty of fun to be had, plenty of learning to be shared. We just had Victoria Otto on who was sharing uh, so a little bit of a preview of the new yoga mindfulness module that will be coming out very, very soon and really tying in how yoga is so much more than stretchy poses, but it really taps into social and emotional learning and and growth mindset and teaching kids how to regulate their mindfulness, their feelings, self-awareness. Yeah. And our next guest, I feel like, follows that up perfectly. We're being joined by Ann Kubitsky. Ann, welcome to the show. How's, Thank you. How's Shape Tampa been so far? Oh, it's been wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. We had the pleasure of meeting Ann at the Open Impact Awards yep. uh, Wednesday night. What was that scene like for you? Oh my God, you guys like know how to party. <laughs> <laughs> or so we've been told. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was my introduction basically to the open family. Um, so it's just, it was wonderful to be there. Not a bad way to start, huh? It was a fantastic yeah. way to start. And I, I'm lucky that we were sitting at the same table and got to actually talk a little bit. You actually are bringing a, a pretty unique program system operation that ties directly into social and emotional learning yeah. in schools. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I run Look for the Good Project, which is a nonprofit organization based in Connecticut at the Connecticut Association of Schools. Uh, we're just starting to partner with OPEN uh, on a playground project called Recess Matters. Um, and uh, Look for the Good Project actually brings gratitude campaigns to uh, K through six schools at the moment. We're looking to expand into middle school and high school soon. Sure. But uh, in the last three years, we have reached 121,545 students. Wow. Um, and about 70,000 of them were last year. So it's been, you know, the first year we were just in two states. Now we're in 32 states. Oh, um, so it, it's, growth. it's been snowballing. And uh, this is all word of mouth, no marketing, nothing. Um, and I started in Connecticut just with one school called Doolittle School. And um, we did a two-week gratitude campaign where the kids, this is all student-driven. So uh, it's an online platform. Um, Materials come in the mail to the school. 
including these gratitude spots, which we're now going to we can talk about it in a, in a moment. Sure. Um, and uh, and at the school, we piloted this program where the kids are practicing making a gratitude wall. They're sharing their gratitude with each other. They're um, we're encouraging compliments with these kindness cards that they're passing around that say you matter. Uh, and then they have to write a you matter letter to someone in their life that really matters, and they have to read it out loud. Um, and so it you know it connects, it trickles up to the adults because we you know grandparents, parents, teachers, coaches are all impacted by these children's stories, these thank you letters. And um, we did this at this one school, and about two weeks later, a student died at the school, just uh, her appendix burst, and it was. It was devastating and because we had done this program the students were empowered to kind of come together and we had this one student actually run her own gratitude campaign about the student who died she donated all her birthday money to our scholarship fund um, and then she she was like I have to write a book you know about this program she's 12 she was well actually she was 11 at the time she had just turned 12 and um, and so we made this book together and she's like I want her the, the little girl that died her name is Tegan and I want Tegan's spirit to be in every school in America and you know she's she's just turned 12 she's you know devastated she's saying I want your program to be everywhere so I was like okay whatever you want just let me you know let me it's know how I can boss. help you kids do <laughs> yeah so she got us on the news you know we were on NBC Connecticut Fox News and before I knew it you know the commissioner of education for the state of Connecticut was like this is an amazing program I was talking to all the superintendents and so it just exploded after that and it was because of the children's you know, this one girl, her name's Zoe, um, Zoe Schwab, and that just because of her inspiration and her grief and how gratitude helped her bounce back and 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 move through her grief using this program, I was like, we have to make sure that this is available to everyone. So it builds resilience in schools. It prepares. Um, communities to deal with any kind of loss or any sort of um, issue that comes up. So it's a great starting point. It's amazing what kids are capable of doing when they feel passionate about something. Yeah. And you, you, almost, you almost can't stop it. No, yeah. couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it. I, I can't imagine a school or a district or a, a world where we couldn't use more gratitude. You know, I feel like the earlier, the younger you start, the more innate it becomes. And yeah. being able to say comfortably to someone, I'm thankful for you because, and lift their spirit up a little bit. Yeah, um, so the whole program is based on um, positive psychology. There's this theory called broaden and build theory. Uh, and so when students practice positivity, even adults, if you practice positivity when you're not feeling bad, you're just practicing it because it's easy to access, you know, right now you can probably think about something you're thankful for. By doing that, it actually expands your peripheral vision, like literally, it does, you see more, and that means that you have more access to finding solutions when you're under stress, because when you're in stress, you kind of go into fight or flight mode, that's just a normal human reaction. Yeah, so that's how kicks in. Right, and so when you practice positivity just on a regular basis, it's like you've got this dose of like, how do I keep my mind open and how do I find a way to, you know, deal with conflict in a positive 
you know, peaceful way. And so what we're doing at that very early level with children is we're targeting uh, them when they're most um, open to that type of learning. And it creates a readiness for learning. It's, you know, um, it's just, it's so useful at a really early age. Now, excuse my, my, my cheesy sense of humor here, but right before you came on the show, I'm you, so excited for this. you, pro you <laughs> promised us a whale of a story. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, Look for the Good Project um, was uh, not originally in schools. This actually started as a public art project uh, seven years ago uh, where uh, it was inspired by a whale rescue. Actually, no kidding. so um, my training is in biology. Uh, did not expect to be working in the education field at all. Uh, did not have a business plan or anything. I just basically um, heard about this story about this whale that had been rescued by four divers. Uh, I was working in biology at the time uh, and was getting really frustrated with the industry, um, having you know like seeing the human impact on, on the ecosystem and seeing that, you know, even if we have the best data to create the best laws, you know, people weren't respecting it. So how do you, how do you get people to respect the environment? Well, inspire them. And so this story about this whale uh, inspired me to totally change my career. Uh, and what happened was um, this whale had been entangled in crab trap lines off the coast of California in 2005. Four guys got in the water to rescue it. Uh, and once she was free, she actually swam back to each diver, nuzzled him twice in the chest. This is a 50-foot whale. One slap from a, a whale this size will kill you. You're done. Yeah. yeah. So this is like a Mack truck coming at you yeah. in the water. She gently nuzzled each guy in the chest. And then she started breaching, which is jumping out of the water, doing figure eights and circling them. Putting on a show, basically. She was grateful. Showing that gratitude. <laughs> right. So I thought, wow, that's a really great story. Why don't I learn how to paint and make a picture book about it and tell kids about it and then talk about like conservation and how we can protect the environment. And so I went back to school, learned to paint, made this book, and then I couldn't get it published. And you know, this is like years later, and I got really frustrated, and I totally forgot the point of my story, which was gratitude. I wasn't feeling grateful at all. <laughs> and so, like, something reminded me, like, oh, this whole thing was about, I was inspired by gratitude, so why don't um, I just focus on that? So I made these little invitation postcards, asking people to share something that made them thankful, put my address on it. I was living in Connecticut at the time. I now live in North Carolina. But um, I literally, on a weekend, just went to coffee shops, went to libraries, went to supermarkets, left these little invitations around. There's just 500 of them from Sables. Like, I'm, it was a Rima paper. And uh, the next four years, 22,000 people from all over the world wrote back to me. Um, and so it started out on my own little invitations, but I think people started talking to each other, got on the news, sure. and so uh, I can't remember how many countries, I mean, like, I got messages from Uzbekistan, New Zealand, like, all over Europe, Brazil, like, everywhere. Unreal. And, um, and so as this was happening, I got invited to make a book about it. So there's a book called What Makes You Grateful, um, Voices from Around the World. It's all the postcards in the beginning. Changed my life. Um, and as people were asking me, you know, why, why are you doing this? I kept talking about this whale. And then I realized, oh, my God, this is an allegory. Like, 
I'm the whale. <laughs> and I was entangled in all of my crabby thinking, you know, because the whale was entangled in crab trap lines. You just needed some divers to help you out. Yeah, and so every postcard that came to me was like my rescuer. And so I actually publicly had to tell a Me Too story. So I had to process, publicly process the sexual assault that happened to me when I was 15. So I was a kid when that happened. And so um, it just, it's like one thing led to the next. And I was invited to work with first high schoolers and then middle schoolers, even college students, because I was telling the story. And then I realized, really, we need a preventative program to prepare children to deal with stress. So why don't we start with just kindergarten through sixth grade and help them embrace their childhood so that they are the most resilient kids as they enter middle school, as they enter high school. Um, and so Look for the Good um, right now, the program really helps to uh, embrace childhood, embrace, you know, the, the beauty of just wonderment of the world, you know, like that's what gratitude is all about. So, um, and the kids, they're running this program themselves, so they're feeling empowered, they're getting self-esteem, um, and they love the whale story. So we, we give them the whale story, we talk about how we all get stuck in crabby thinking sometimes, it's normal, you know, so the whole program is helping kids, you know, acknowledge that sometimes they're stuck in the crab trap, and then how do you get out of that? So, um, so social, it works very well with lots of social emotional learning programs. It's easy to adopt. I don't know if it's just me. I, I feel like, how has this not been turned into a Disney movie yet? <laughs> or I, I'm just picturing this gigantic whale just giving a little, a little nuzzle. <laughs> And then doing backflips in the water. Like, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Right. I'll pay 12 bucks for that ticket. Like, let's go. Where's my popcorn? Well, a sensational story. Yeah. I mean, it's like one animal. I think that the, the reason that kids love this program is that it's not an adult telling them to be grateful. It's not even a, a human kid. You know, it's, it's actually an animal. Right. Um, modeling the behavior and then inspiring them to kind of uh, step up and do it themselves. And it's not even like you're personifying character. Yeah. Like, this whale actually showed gratitude. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sharing my gratitude. I'm very thankful yes. for you and for the work that you've done so far for kids, for, for people in general. Yeah. And I, I just can't wait to see how much further this can go, especially with this new partnership with Open Now, being able to get out to more schools, more teachers, more students, and just keep sharing that positivity. I feel like the, there's, there's not enough space in the world for more positivity we, we need it so badly right now yeah it took off three years ago where the the program is basically just we're trying to make america kind one school at a time starting with the kids it just trickles up to the adults and it's something that everyone can agree on we can all agree on you know what we're grateful for so so if a teacher's listening to this and thinks i could use some kindness in my school mm -hmm. how can they get involved with your program how can they get more information about it just look up lookforthegoodproject.org. Okay. Uh, so lookforthegoodproject.org is our website. And you, all the information you need is there. Uh, and this is the time actually to sign up. Uh, so between now and uh, July 30th is the time to get your school on board. And if you need some sponsorship, we're also offering that because there's a, a little fee for the program. Uh, 
materials that get shipped, um, there's there's a place where you can actually apply for funding. So if you need help, we've got some. One more thing to be grateful for, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna interrupt, and I'm, I know you're recording, but I just I have to go to a meeting. I have to go to a meeting, and I want to give this young lady a hug. Because are you okay. gonna be here when I get back? Folks, okay. we are witnessing an Aaron Hart flyby. Oh, thank you so much. It was an amazing week. I wish we had more time to talk, but. There's yeah. plenty of time for that. So thank you for being here. Oh, my I have a feeling you guys will be in touch soon, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're working on a project on playgrounds. Um, so we're excited to make an announcement Stay about that tuned. soon. And thank you so much again for your time, for popping on with us, for being so patient with us oh, no this problem. week. I, I can't wait to see what else you have in store for us. Thank you. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. And, and Kibitsky. Kibitsky. Yep. I got it right Kibitsky. two times in thank a row. Uh, we're going to take a quick recess. Very, very quick. Uh, we have... I think three more guests waiting for us in, yeah. in the queue. We'll be back in about 15 seconds. That's a wrap. You are awesome. Now, listen, it's an important subject. We'll need to hear about it. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. All right, folks, the Open Forum Podcast still rocking and rolling here. The the energy and the buzz at the U.S. Games booth here at Shape Tampa is still at an all-time high. Um, I, I, I almost have, find it hard to believe people are in sessions right now. And, you know, the king of the flyby, Jamie Sparks, <laughs> back again. You're so amazing, people. I had to come crash this show. I love it. I love it. Well, welcome <laughs> aboard, buddy. Good to see if you. If I didn't only get this part of the ETR challenge, I'd be <laughs> taking the long arm selfie right now. Could have worked. Could have worked. You guys enjoy We are very blessed and fortunate to keep churning out high quality guests who have great messages and which I suppose is why they're here at Shake Tampa to begin with and these two are no different John Ledwith yep John Henry Ledwith and Suzanne Schrag I, I was terrified of butchering last names nailed, ah, nailed both of them did it. Very effective. Well done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Obviously, you've had some good skill building and role play and training to do such an excellent job. Go. I sense you're leading into something here, John. <laughs> How's the week been? What's Shape Tampa been like for you? Uh, well, this is always a great meeting, and um, a lot of the work we do is at the state uh, level. So we do a lot of work with the state shapes and organizations as um, a focus of what ETR's work is. So to be here at the national with everybody together is really quite exciting. Um, and ETR as an organization is a nonprofit research and evaluation agency. That's the clever aspect of ET and R. Um, and that's the roots of the work that we do. Um, we're the recognized largest producer of evidence-based interventions in the country today for adolescent youth and the focus um, of getting skills-based work in place. Uh, and when we say something's evidence-based, we don't mean somebody did a little survey and they ate an apple or um, <laughs> teachers love it. We're talking about long-term randomized controlled trials in longitudinal study settings over 12, 18, 24 months to show or not show um, out outcomes and a particular health methodology before we bring something out into the field because it's the research and evaluation work um, that's really the root of what we do. Um, and I'm fortunate to work with amazing health educators um, around the country. My uh, early mentor, Dr. William Kane, Bill Kane out of the University of New Mexico, uh, did a lot of work with Pete Hunt out of the CDC, um, Dr. Susan Teljohn from the University of Toledo, um, the amazing Suzanne Schrag, um, that's just one of the. Uh, I'm I'm a little nervous about having her on a national broadcast because we like to keep her a secret. She's really one of the. the She's the sleeper. The word is out, John. The word yeah. is out. Now. 
but when, when, when we look at programs and when people think about health education, um, as some people in the broadcast audience won't say, I'm obviously an older gentleman with the graying hair. Hair still in place, but the graying hair. When I was a kid in school, it was all about fact-based learning. You know, here's information. Here's, you know, why is your, why is your body this way? Why is your hair this way? What's the skeletal structure? Um, and that was all wonderful things. And you could even say it's, um, it's really nice to know how many bones are in my hand. Okay, and if you're going on to be a kinesiologist or you're pre-med, I would say that's functional, need to know knowledge. Yeah. But if your outcome goal that you're trying to achieve is to keep that hand from binge drinking on a Friday night out behind the stadium, then talking about the bone structure in health class is a waste of our time. For sure. And we have such, the only thing that probably has less time on a school campus than physical education is health education. So we really have to focus in on, you know, what is that functional knowledge that's going to go into the lesson structure that we're going to do so that we can really move those behaviors. And that's a lot of the work that Suzanne does in the field and in the development of our programs. Which leads me to my next question. Suzanne, we've already heard that you are incomparable, yeah. irreplaceable. <laughs> Wonderful. What, what, what role do you play within ETR? Oh, well, I'm one of ETR's editors, and I'm the series editor for the Health Smart Curriculum. And then I also oversaw updates to our evidence-based programs. But right now, I'd say Health Smart's the big, big bulk of my job. It's, you know, and, and producing some new lessons, too, as new things emerge. We've had so many teachers come by the booth talking about vaping. And, and now, like, kids who would, would never dream of smoking a cigarette, and then they're, but yeah. they've got their jewels, they're vaping. And so I, you know, trying to stay on top of all those emerging health behaviors. Because it, it's true that all that skills-based learning around tobacco has obviously worked to a large degree, you know, and social norms have supported it, and so kids aren't thinking about that. But now we've got this whole new health behavior that's getting normalized, and they're seeing kids around them do it. They don't have the right information about it. Uh, they may not have the skills to say no if all their friends are doing it. So, you know, that's kind of a... It's always growing. There's always going to be something new, you know, that you want to give the kids the knowledge and skills to keep them healthy. So now there's a big drive towards comprehensive skills-based health, right? We've got new national standards being released. Now, our national standards now in the CDC are great, but now we're putting in more performance indicators for teachers so that teachers are better prepared to come out with their prep programs ready to hit the ground running. Where do you feel the climate of health ed as a whole? Both like in the classroom and where the advocacy focus is. You know what I've seen in a few of the, the trainings I've done lately is when you give teachers that background about the characteristics of effective programs, that there are clear goals, clear behavior outcomes you're shooting for, what's the functional knowledge, what skills are important to implement that knowledge. When teachers are they're seeing that and it gets them really excited. You know, because it doesn't even matter what curriculum you're doing. It's like whatever my program is, whether they're lessons I've developed myself, whether I'm using HealthSmart, whether I'm using even a textbook program, I, I know these basic principles that lead to healthy behavior outcomes, and now I and I know how to implement them. And I think that the health te the teacher standards that are coming out are going to even firm up that base. It's going to give a real um, set of competencies that, that once teachers master those, they'll feel confident. You know, coming in, whatever topic they're needing to teach. Especially since there's so much focus on quality assessment, right? And making sure your outcomes are there and that 
assessing skill because you need to make sure that they're that the hamster's running when they're not in your classroom. Exactly. So I went to a fantastic session yesterday about functional authentic assessment when you're trying to touch on these skills. Oh was that the um, the holistic rubrics? No, that was. Oh, there's another one um, yeah, that I went to that was very similar. Like, yeah. how do you how do you assess a skill in a real holistic way that's showing that they're that they're getting all the parts of that skill, yeah, yeah. and can actually apply it. You know, John, you mentioned earlier uh, the fact that health education might be the only thing that gets less recognition and time and attention. And, and we're all here to change that on both levels, because the, the truth is physical activity, physical education, health education are the foundations for graduation, rate attendance, um, those statistics of making sure the kids stay healthy and move on and have uh, the individual choice to be able to make those uh, potential options for a bright future. And it's, and it's PE and health that are the, the foundational principles that get math, science, English, history done in the same way. And that challenge with the short amount of time, you know, and, and it's nice, that the, the PE example I use often with health, because my colleagues really, it resonates for them, is that when we go into our gymnasium classrooms, and you may be wanting to show how to do a proper layup, you don't go out there, do it once, and walk away and hand the student basketball. Right. And it's the same way with, with health education. You really have to role play, work on those principles, come back and visit them again, assess where the class may be, and see if that skill is really being taken on, if you're going to shape the peer group and those behavioral health outcomes. Now, how have you folks, from, from an ETR perspective, been able to tackle that challenge to help teachers bridge that gap from where we are to where we need to be, given the understanding that we're probably dealing with limited time, mm -hmm. limited attention, limited, for lack of a better term, respect in, in the educational field. Well, you know, that's, a, that's the great challenge in presenting a program that's comprehensive, that's aligned to the National Health Education Standards, and um, working, working with the HECAT, the Health Education Curriculum Analysis Tool, even with our focus, because, you know, if you did everything, uh, I, my arms are stretched way wide now, and they, they would not be wide enough to say how large of a product that would be. Um, but we really chose to focus on the CDC's six areas of risky behavior, more, uh, coming out of the morbidity and mortality reports, of really what's impacting kids negatively, where, where are injuries taking place, what are children dying of, um, uh, what are those... Um, uh, unhealthy habits that are taking on. So that's the focus that we work on and build out with. Um, when we work with educators, it's really getting in there and saying, now how do you make this customized and work for you? So because it's aligned, and when we came out, the, the, our particular program is, is designed to those, but um, is also print and digital, and we developed the lesson planning tool. The lesson planning tool allows a, it's an application that's online, and it's free online at um, etr.org slash healthsmart. You don't have to be a healthsmart user to um, access it or use it. And it's really just five simple steps where you put in, um, what's my grade level that I'm teaching? What's my subject focus of those six different areas of risky behavior? What do I, do I just want to focus, you talked about uh, vaping and tobacco prevention. I'm just going to focus on tobacco, alcohol, and drug. Um, what are my standards that I want to cover? 
uh, as aligned to the national health education standards. What are those particular ones? And what are the outcomes that I want to achieve, which are part of the healthy behavioral outcomes in the HECAT? Um, all these wonderful tools for free from the CDC, not the lesson planning tool, but the HECAT's there and the national health education standards. And then how many class periods do I have to teach health? And the tool pulls from across all of the curriculum and gives you an aligned lesson plan. So uh, again, I'm, I'm sitting with a, a number of uh, very, these, these three youthful, great professionals. In the old school days, a teacher would, especially with health education, let's open it up to the table of contents and I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach this lesson, I'm gonna teach that lesson. Ooh, sexual health, I don't wanna teach that lesson. <laughs> I'm gonna go over here now. A skilled health educator would take um, a scope and sequence chart, that, that take their alignments charts, that spend uh, several hours or several days really going in and doing that very same thing. But with the advent of technology here in the age that we have and with an appropriate line program, you can create this tool so that you're then giving the educator something that's scientifically aligned, research-based, uh, sequentially in order that it works for the time that they have available to teach. So it's a it, it's a great tool. And again, because I work with the brilliant people in the world, like the amazing Suzanne Schrag and Dr. Susan Teljohn, these things come around. That's the big. I think that's the biggest challenge for teachers. I get I get five health classes, and occasionally, um, you know, if, if if health is only taught on rain days, and it happens five times a year, then a comprehensive curriculum is probably not the best choice. You're better off going with something with a, a newsletter and just, just catching topics as sure. you can. But if there's if there's enough time for health, then they can tailor it down and look for really specific behavior outcomes. And that can be based on, we know in our school we have a problem with bullying. We know in our school kids are babies. We know in our school kids are not getting enough physical activity. You know, and then they can tailor that instruction to the things that they actually see happening with the youth in their district and their school. And then you can also get that from the Youth Risk Behavior Survey and all those results that are on there. And, and that's going to be interesting. Fort Worth, Texas has actually implemented HealthSmart across middle and high school. And they've actually, you know, I don't know how far along their studies, but they're actually seeing some movement in the Health Risk Behavior Survey. And you can't, you can't say that's all the curriculum because they've built in right. so many supports. But it's that holistic, you know, whole child, whole school, that they do have a good curriculum, a good standards line curriculum. They're also reinforcing it in terms of the, you know, food services and a safe campus and a safe, respectful space, all that. So, so when you see schools doing that, if they can get some data showing, hey, and we actually moved these risks we were seeing over the the, few, the years we've been implementing this, we're seeing fewer kids are getting pregnant, fewer, more kids are wearing their seatbelt, more kids, you know, all the things the youth risk behavior survey measures. I think that'll that's even more. Um, ammunition for advocating for it because you know when, when I think when administrators see those healthy outcomes improving they're more likely to say yeah we should be teaching health especially because you can break all that data down by region so you can exactly. show change you can show growth yeah exactly from, from well there's there's nothing that. like data-driven decision-making, which is also extremely helpful to a site administrator when they're standing up and talking to their superintendent, or when a superintendent is talking to the Board of Education, and when they're able to communicate with the, the region and the population and the parents that you want to absolutely have on board with a lot of different topics that are so essential to the successful launch of a young adult. And it's, it's built-in legitimacy. Yeah. My, my hope, my expectation is that a resource such as yours will help to, speaking of advocacy, Suzanne, 
kind of bridge that gap and, and, and change their focus from if we have time to teach comprehensive health to yeah. making time because it's so critically important. Uh, I always make, uh, I'm a little biased, obviously. Uh, math is great, reading is important, writing is spectacular. Your health is with you for the rest of your life, no matter what profession you go into, yeah. Yeah. no matter where you live. So right. let's not, Right. why not make the time for it? Well, we also talk about, you know, how is health education different from those other subjects? And I'm including physical education in that, but it's something you see kids do every day. You see it in the choices they make. You know, they pick an apple. Or, or, or chips, you know, do they play a video game or do they go out and play basketball with their friends, you know, and then the, the, the things they see around them, the norms that their peers are supporting, you see it in their attitudes toward a healthy behavior, so it's, yeah, it's a, it, it is, it's an everyday, everyday choices, everyday lifestyle. So if I'm a teacher who's listening to this and thinking, you know what, my current health ed situation is not where it should be, I'm jazzed up hearing about this resource. Where can they go? How can they get more involved with ETR and HealthSmart? Well, um, certainly going to etr.org will help people see who we are. Uh, you know, the, the mission of the organization, our projects, our programs, our people. And that's always wonderful for people to know who they're dealing with. You add a slash HealthSmart onto the back of that, etr.org slash HealthSmart. Um, and this is, again, the, the beauty of the digital age. We, we, we give out digital reviews to the entire K-12 program, uh, use it for two months, three months, six months. What works for you? Sure. Get a sense of it. Really use it with your students. Use it with your classrooms. And yes, there is a there's an economic model to the program that's there because sure. in, in one of the things I really love about working with ETR is that it's a nonprofit, mission-driven organization, but we really, um, you know, with no, there's no mission without margin. In, right. in a sense to say. So the reason that Suzanne can um, go in and revise, update, renew all on the regular time, I mean, things will be redone with new standards coming out yeah. as well, is because we, we have that economic engine to go ahead and do those things. So, But we're happy to have somebody use it for several months, use it with their students, then come back and we'll figure out what's a budget that can work for them and um, see what makes happen. It's, it's in use all around the country, um, San Francisco to New York. It's the adopted program for health education in the New York City Department of yeah. Education. Um, here, here in Florida, we were just having a great conversation with some of our colleagues in Pasco County, um, Dallas, Texas. Uh, she, we're doing a training in Houston next week. Um, and really professional development and um, in talking about the characteristics of effective health. And it's not just about our programs. We want to come in and help educators understand the science behind health education to make any program work better for them. Happy, I'll, I'll talk about HealthSmart all day, I'll talk about all our <laughs> other programs all day, but much in the same way um, that, that, that Open does. What um, uh, Aaron has done is changed the field for people. Sure. That is that is a, a, a plus and a wonderful thing that U.S. Games has been, and been doing, which is uh, very admirable, uh, a mission in unto itself. Mm -hmm. And that's what etr.org slash HealthSmart is all about. Now, coming from a teacher who's actually used Elsmar, um, oh, I, I haven't used it. I didn't know. <laughs> I haven't used it in a couple of years, uh -huh. um, but now that I'm back teaching primarily more health, um, the New York City Department of Education uses it secondary, but we're piloting it to come in for elementary. I, I wasn't going to say that, but that is correct. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I am so excited to get my hands on it because I enjoyed using it secondary-wise, and I've seen some of it in the elementary books and mangas and student materials, and I'm just, I'm excited to get my hands on it. Well, and, and the nice thing, again, for, you know, Suzanne and her team, um, really keep the program up to date, um, and, and 
Once again, the nice thing about print versus digital is even if there is new lessons, new programs, things that we have online, that's there like for people to take take a look at <laughs> got it. and and work their way in. So, sure. um, but uh, again, etr.org, people can see the work we do all around the country. Um, our CEO, Dr. Vignetta Charles, is really an amazing um, human being. Uh, the people that I get to work with, it's it's been the greatest gift of my professional career. Um, where we are and who we are. Um, and we have several positions open, gentlemen, so you should take a look. Um, and we work all around the United States. So take, oh, he's putting the card in his pocket. It's going in the file. Well, I gotta say, obviously this is the perfect forum for, for you to spread this message. An open forum. An open forum, if you will. Um, there's, there's thousands of passionate people in this venue who I'm sure will benefit from hearing your message. I can't thank you folks enough for the work that you do, and hope, hopefully this gives you a, a little bit more traffic on the website, a little bit more traffic yeah. in sessions and, and booths, and lead well, some more good things. As, as, yeah, as always, so you can follow us on Twitter at, at HealthSmartK12, or hashtag HealthSmart, or at ETR.org on Facebook. All of the handles are available. If, if you're at the conference, there's still their social media contest going on until the end of the day today. So time is slim. Hashtag, hashtag HealthEdQuest. Yes. You do, and, and as you said, it, one of those things are taking pictures um, of some of our um, authors and workers, but it really the concept was to spread people around and uh, get the conversation dialogue going, um, not just with ETR people, but with some of the people who are really involved in this field so that the, uh, the elevation of your knowledge is there in a positive way. So, One thing it did for me was I've never talked to Andy Millian personally before. I saw him in a session yesterday, actually the assessment session that I was in yesterday, and I finally got to meet him and talk to him in person. Oh, that's great. So, then, the, then the Health Ed Quest has served its purpose. <laughs> oh, a grand prize. We'll set a health smart. Yes. Oh, that's true. Uh, folks, get on, get on the Twitter. Get on Twitter and Facebook. Yep. Health yep. Ed Quest. Health, health. Hashtag Health Ed Quest. There is a, a registration link where they need to yep. put their information in. Excellent. But for those who may not be at the conference, uh, please uh, give us a ring. We'll give you access to the digital. That'll be fine. But you do have to get pictures and post them of certain people. Um, Going to be a little tough to get the Dancing Pirate now. That was one yeah. of them, but it was available earlier in the week. But you only have to get four of the eight quests in order to qualify for the opportunity. Tougher, yeah. but not impossible. If you we, go to we the are in Tampa Bay. website and you pull up Jamie Sparks' headshot and then take a selfie with it, I think it might count. Uh, as, as one of the individuals <laughs> judging those uh, entries, I will officially say that will count. Yes! <laughs> Work smarter, not harder. Suzanne, John Henry, thank you so much yeah, for taking a few for minutes of, of your having. week. Uh, best of luck with the rest of the week and the rest of your, your, your year. And please keep doing the wonderful work that you've been doing so far. Thanks so much. I have one question left for you. Sure. If we want to download and follow the podcast on a regular basis, where would health educators around the country do that? That's a great question. I, anywhere you get your podcast from. iTunes, Google Play, Podbean. Stitcher. Um, yeah, wherever you would you know, download the Joe Rogan podcast, yeah. you can download us. So uh, this will all podcast. be on Facebook Live. The audio and things will be posted after the conference once all the dust settles, uh, probably in the next two weeks or so. But yeah, anywhere you can usually get your podcast. All right, well, thank you so much, thank gentlemen. We appreciate the opportunity. Great to meet you. I'm going on a health ed quest right now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'll be back in 15 seconds. I have pictures to take.
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back again. The Open Forum podcast is live at the U.S. Games booth here at Shake Tampa. The exhibit hall is still buzzing left and right. Tons of people, tons of vendors, so much energy in the room. And we mentioned earlier we had Georgina Vint on from the Cooper Institute talking a little bit about you know being a partner of Open and uh, what this conference is like from maybe a non-PE teacher's perspective. And we have another great guest talking about great things that are happening for teachers and for kids. We have Paisley Payton with us from the American Heart Association. Fantastic. How's your week been so far? Basically? It's been great. I mean, there's so much energy. I think I've gotten all my steps in before noon. I'm sure. um, if you want to be ignited and energized, this is the place to be. Not, not a bad show so far, right? <laughs> it has been great. So, one thing I've asked Georgina and I'll ask you as well I know what this conference is like as a teacher, you know, going to sessions and doing that kind of thing. I'm guessing your experience is probably a little bit different, though. What does this week look like for you? You know, I don't know it's much different. I'm learning just as well as others are because there's so many interesting things that people do that are different in each area and region. And so just taking those learnings and figuring out how it fits with our overall program, how do we work with teachers in a way that's beneficial to them, what's meaningful to them, and what is something that they're looking for and needing that we can help either connect the dots and provide for them um, through our organization. And speaking of that organization, as a representative of the American Heart Association, what is your your goal or your, your main agenda? What's the one thing you want folks to leave here knowing that AHA can do for them? Wow, I'm not sure it's one thing. Um, <laughs> you know, when you look at our mission, it is well, really good, to be, right? yeah, I'm like, it's endless. We're relentless. We recognize that heart disease is the number one killer in the United States and strokes right after that. And so it's so incredibly important to let people know proactively how to take care of their health, not only through their heart, but their mind health and so many different wellness activities and to be physical active and all those things that are so incredibly important. And then specifically with our youth and through early development and understanding how we connect at an early age in schools to teach those important pieces so that becomes a behavior habit and something that they learn when they're young and just bring into their adult life. Sure. I would say for better and definitely for worse, you've got like the ultimate job security, right? I mean, heart disease is something that unfortunately affects every single person, every walk of life. Uh, it just does not discriminate in any way, shape, or form. So it's a, a message that has been spread since the beginning of time, and it's probably even more relevant and, and needed right now. Yeah, you know, and a lot of times pe people think about heart disease in older uh, adults. And so we all know that heart defects happen for children as well. Um, many of our folks, probably the folks who are on right now, know about our heart survivor this year, Finn Blumenthal. And that four-year-old has more energy than this entire place. Um, but to think he's already had 14 surgeries. And he, he lives life till its fullest. Him and his mom, his brothers, his dad are out there spreading the message. But it just unites us in a way that really gives people energy about what people and how people are affected by heart disease, even when they're little bitty. And sure. so that message does reach everyone and anybody across the United States. And so I'm lucky enough to work with folks like that. And it is empowering and it is exciting as well. I was fortunate a few, uh, a few months ago to do a presentation with a colleague of yours, Stephanie White, yes. in Illinois, and talk about tugging on the heartstrings. She showed a video, and I won't spoil it for anyone in case Stephanie's doing a, a workshop right now, but I, I do think there is a misconception that I don't have to worry about this until I'm 60 or 70 or 80. And just to, to see a face and to now know a name that you can associate with, this could be the kid sitting next to me in class, this could be my younger brother. I mean, it's an easy way for me as a teacher 
uh, back when I used to do the Jump Rope for Heart and, and now with Kids Heart Challenge, to teach kids, like, this is not a grandparent thing or a parent thing. This is literally an everyone thing. This is what you need to know. This is how we can go ahead and be proactive instead of Definitely. reactive. You told me you weren't going to make me cry, so we're not going <laughs> to have that. Um, you know, and, and Finn's story is a powerful story, but then there's so many, like you said, in every school, whether it is one of their school um, students or their brother or sister or someone that they know. And it is. It's one of those things that it tugs at your heart, but it shows the value of what we do every day and the importance of that because a Finn having 14 surgeries didn't happen 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And so the dollars that we raise are incredibly important for research and not only just for stents and for folks who need it, you know, as they grow, but even our younger kids and to recognize that we're making that big difference with the dollars that we raise um, in so many people's lives and families' lives across the country. And one fun way that, that we can get involved as schools, as teachers, as, as students, it, with raising money is through things like the Kids Heart Challenge, which has been a, a very fun, a very exciting new initiative. What can you tell us about that for folks who maybe haven't gotten on board just yet? If you haven't, definitely go online and check it out. Um, you know, we had this huge opportunity to look at our program through jump rope and basketball, but we also recognized there were some fun new activities that folks wanted to do as well through dancing, and I heard some of y'all might have some moves. Um, and then also Warrior, you know, and giving people that flexibility to do different activities and have kids be challenged and help raise money for the American Heart Association. And so we're able to not only raise funds for the organization, but we also tie in so social, emotional, and also um, wellness and behavior um, characters that give those children those great lessons through fun, interactive ways, and we bring them to life through our app. And so it's integrated full and whole. It is about fundraising. That is a very important piece of it. But the messages that they get in that fun, interactive way lasts a long, long time. And we laugh because we'll go into schools, and they'll still ask about the ducks. They'll still ask about the puppies and all the different characters. And so then you actually know, oh, my gosh, they, re they remembered that. And in our assembly that I think you saw at your school, um, we had some of our past characters, retro characters, come back, and, and they were screaming their names. And you're like, okay, you hit a home run when they can Absolutely. remember that when they're in fourth grade, when they watch it as kindergartners. Because that's evidence of them being invested. Yeah. It is. Those they kids. automatically recall that, and it's just an amazing experience. Yeah, that emotion that we all have for jumping rope when we were kids, I did in elementary school. Sure. And if you think about it, our age, we were kids doing it back in the days, and now we're engaged, and you all are teachers teaching your future generation and that legacy that it's brought. I'd be hard-pressed to think that nobody in this room hasn't done jump or thought about jump or seen jump as they were a kid, sure. and that memory that they have with the Heart Association and kind of jumping and, and those lessons that they learned is really important. But, and you mentioned before how part of what you do is educating adults on heart health, but what's probably more important is developing the same concepts and knowledge in kids, because I know it's a crazy thought, but the earlier you start positive habits, the easier it is to maintain, so it's it's critically important to, uh, and you mentioned the, the, the Ninja Warrior aspect. My kids are so excited about these silly little obstacle courses that we set up, but I can now make that real life connection that as an adult, you can go and run a Spartan race or a Warrior Dash or a Tough Mudder. These are things that adults do for fun yep. to keep healthy, so it's just a, a continuation of something you did as, as a kid and you continue doing as you get older. 
Yeah, you know, I think those skills transform us to what we do as adults. You know, whatever you are loved and passionate about, and that's what I love about physical education, is that it's not about learning one, it's learning all aspects of it, because each kid is different, and each kid resonates. You know, I have two children, one loves baseball, one loves track, one baseball player is like there is no way I could run around that track more than once you know but it's because some at, during their PE years they were able to experience lots of different things to figure out what their interests lie oh, sure. and that's I think what the warrior brings is different obstacles and like you said we can do it at adult now so we can do color runs we can do all of these things that just give us that passion and unite us to continue being well and what's great is about a lot of those pitch races is now they have junior versions of it do. Warrior Dash, Spartan, Tuckyard, they all have a kid's version of the race. I think I need to do the kid's version. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, they don't have to. Right. No, I mean, there are no boundaries now, and that's what I love. You know, it is, you know, we're in a day and age now that kids can do whatever they want, and they can experience with their parents, they can experience with the community, and this is the foundation to give them those great, fun, interactive ideas to do to bring it on for the rest of their life. And I think, like with anything else in life, if I'm trying to convince a 40-year-old to run a Tough Mudder for the first time ever, probably a little bit of a daunting task, not sure if you want to embark on that, but if you look at it as something, I've just always done this growing up, like it's just something I do to keep healthy for fun, it's easier to maintain and build it into a part of your lifestyle. Yeah, you know, there's um, evidence out there if you do something for 21 days, it becomes it becomes part of you versus just an annoyance. And so those are those things that are important that once they find it, they can then, you know, drive and do that. And I love that we have that ability to connect many of our programs in that aspect. Right, and what excites me about the, the Kids Heart Challenge and the uh, partnership with Open Open has so many different modules and activities, like, like you were mentioning before, that you can provide anything, everything for everyone. Yep. So if you were only doing Hoops for Heart and you have a lot of non-basketball players, you're probably not going to get excited about it. But if you can have, this station is going to be a dance station, this one's going to be an obstacle court. Now you're hitting every single child, you're, they're excited, they want to be movers, they want to be active, and again, it just helps to then teach the why. You know, kids like flexibility. I mean, we all like flexibility. It's not just kids. You know what I mean? And so what we love with partnering with Open is that everything that we've talked about aligns perfectly with what either they had created or what they could create. And what was amazing is it's not only just an experience through the fundraising, it's bringing it to a life in an interjective way, interjective way, um, but then at the same point in time, teaching those principles that are so critical. And so it was so important as we looked at Kids Heart Challenge to find that partner that really could help teachers and give them resources that were valuable, science-based, really driving activity that were outcome-based to help the teachers and connect it with the program that we were uh, really wanting to bring to the school. Sure, and I, I can speak firsthand as someone who is you know, on the ground level with students every day. If your resources make it so much easier to connect those dots for kids and explain that if you run your, your fitness gram tests and they're maybe not where you want them to be. It doesn't mean you're gonna to die tomorrow. It doesn't mean that, but what it does mean is if you don't make certain changes, it's gonna be harder to change 40 years from now than it is 40 days from now. Yeah, 
So, you know, regardless of where you're starting, the best time to start is right now. Yeah, you know, the scare factor doesn't work. Right. You know, it's so important that we really start with that behavior change and show them what the opportunities are. You know, we don't go and say you have to eat 29 different vegetables. It's adding color to your plate. You don't add sodium, a little bit, 30 minutes of physical activity. All those things are incredibly important in doing it in moderation so that it becomes that habit. And we really felt early on in our program connecting them with characters. We test a lot with the kids saying, you know, what does this look like? What does this, when we say this, what does it mean? Because we talk adult language all the time. And adult language is more like wah, 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 wah. And so for us, it's to step back and say, tell us what you think it means. And then for us to use that because kids talking to kids is 10 times more powerful than adults just wah, 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 wah type of thing. So that interactive piece. That's one thing I've tried to be more cognizant of, uh, especially when I have my seventh, eighth, or ninth period class. You've had an adult talking to you for six hours straight. All day long. Imagine like, us sitting there. Well, right. We've got that. Yeah. By hour six, it's just background noise. But if I'm turning talking to my buddy about it, all of a sudden, alive again, you know, so a very, very impactful strategy. You know, we're really, um, I think next year we're excited because there's going to be a lot of brain boost and we started a lot of that this year because it's even important, not even when you're in the gym or in the classroom, is to take it to the classroom, the math, the science, the English, because they need that break in order to get that brain excited, in order to pay attention, because it's a long time for anybody to sit. I can't do it. And all brains benefit from this activity. Yeah. So I actually, for the first time this year, because we were talking about test prep and them getting ready for the state ELA exam and how, you know, they should be getting a good night's sleep, getting a nutritious breakfast in the morning and getting a bit of exercise before the test. And I put up that picture that everybody uses for their justification, two brains. One was before exercise, and one was after a 10 minute walk. And they were like, why is it different colors? And, they, and it, it sparked so much curiosity, but they had such a, a light bulb aha moment behind it. Just to, for them to internalize, oh man, and just make the connection. Yeah, you know, it's so important. And, and it can be that 10-minute walk. It can just be standing up, stretching, yeah. moving your arms. But just to get them moving and free from what they're stressed about. It's very stressful being a kid now. Sure. You can imagine with the testing and everything yeah. that they have in their home life and school life and social media and et cetera. And so recognizing that during those high-stress moments to take that brain, have that boom, uh, brain boost, um, have that break and get up and move can make a significant difference in testing in school. Absolutely. Uh, to, to wrap up the, the Kids Heart Challenge portion of our program, if I am a teacher who has not signed up yet or maybe was making the transition from the old program to the new one, how do I get started? Who, who do I reach out to? How can I bring this into my program? So easy. Um, so you can go online to America, uh, to heart.org backslash Kids Heart Challenge. And when you go onto the site, there's a section that says for teachers. Go on that section and you can sign up and one of our local staff will reach out to you and get you all set up. And it's incredibly easy. You probably both know this, is that we provide all the supplies, also the counseling and the consulting to make sure that the program is super easy. We have online um, for you so you don't even have to count the cash and the checks anymore. Uh, we make it really easy for everyone. And so all you need to do is sign up and one of our local staff will come out and visit and set you up. It, it really is that easy, and I love the, the ease of access to the local staff members. They're always available. Uh, no question's a bad question, and believe me, I try. <laughs> um, but they're, they're always willing to help. They're so passionate about what they do. 
It's, I mean, it's it, the best job. It, it's not bad, right? It's not a bad gig that you get to work with folks like yourself every single day, go visit, be energized every time you walk in that classroom. Also impressed by the saintlyhood of how you all manage that many moving children <laughs> in one time. Um, and so it is, it's one of the jobs that in the summer, it sometimes gets a little sad because you don't have that kid interaction, you don't have that coordinator action. But as soon as the kid's school starts back up, it is back on. And so our, our staff love being in the schools every single day and we're grateful for everyone who helps us and supports us. And we are definitely thankful for your partnership, for your inspiration, your empowerment to help get kids moving and just keep driving down that, that critical message that the only person who's in charge of your health is you. Yeah, exactly. So let's get moving. Yay! Hazley, thank you so much for sharing. I know this is a very busy week for you. should be a slogan somewhere. Oh, do I get the color of the map? I'm oh, fascinated absolutely. by this. I know, I was like, can I? I Before you take off, our, our first representative of the great state of North Carolina, yes. the Tar Heel State, is that, yeah. is that a real it, thing? It, it is, is a real thing. Um, now, I right, don't, right? you did. Um, now, I don't know that I have picked between Duke and Carolina, which always seems to be the hardest question. Um, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm more of a football girl. So I just let them play and cheer them on. There you go. I had them in the finals and they did, both We disappointed and we're apologized yeah. for the state of North Carolina. Okay. I, I picked Duke. I'm, I'm a UNC fan when it comes to college basketball, but I did pick Duke over UNC, and they both just <laughs> You know, it. I have to say the NCAA, I thought, was one of the best because it, all the games came down to the wire. There were underdogs. There were so many stories behind the stories that I thought it was a really good uh, tournament this year. What made it so exciting was that it was pretty much the, the whole first round was all chalk. You know, no upsets, and then it just went bananas once you got to... Then it went downhill from yeah, there, but it, you know, I think didn't the, disappoint. they didn't no. disappoint the overtimes, the last minute shots. I mean, there was nothing this year that I was like, were, yay! That, you, that game was nuts. If you like drama... Yeah. There you go. Now, I think we only have about 60, 90 days to football season, so we all have to just kind of figure out what the That's next it. sport is from there, and then it's college football season. Draft is what? T-minus two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. It's coming down the pipe. Well, as our first rep from North Carolina, we'd like to gift you <gasps> with a customized... One-of-a-kind, one limited edition Open Forum podcast sticker. There you go. Uh, feel free to put that anywhere you want, as long as it's family appropriate, of course. <laughs> and uh, again, Paisley, thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us. Thank you. Keep on doing what you do. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Paisley Payton, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for coming. And that is going to do it for our second Shape Tampa recap episode. There will be one more of these coming out next month featuring all of the open national trainers we had the chance to nail down for a few minutes at the booth. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at OpenFizEd so you do not miss any of it. Like I said earlier, all of these streams are saved on Facebook. Just search OpenFizEd, like our page if you haven't already, and then click on videos. Our streams are there as well as the Let's Talk PhysEd shows. As always, if you would like to contact the show, you can email us at openforumpod at gmail.com. If you would like to tweet at us directly, Mike Martinez is at PhysEdFreak, and I am at CoachMillerPE. We love to hear from you, so please reach out with comments, ideas, and suggestions. We want to keep the show a truly open forum. Until next time, stay active, everyone. This podcast and all of the great services provided by Open are made possible through the support of U.S. Games and BSN Sports. Every time you purchase physical education and athletic equipment through U.S. Games and BSN Sports, you are supporting a network of teachers helping teachers. Open is a public service organization. Learn more at openphyzed.org.